Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I've titled today's message, Please Hold, as we are all doing and have been doing for several weeks now. The good thing is it looks like things are beginning to shift, and I'm just happy to be one Sunday closer to the Sunday when we will all be back together again. But I don't like being on hold. I do not like it at all. I like to order wings from Wingstop, and um, it seems that I tend to call during the busy hours, and usually the first thing that happens is they say, thank you for calling Wingstop. Can you please hold? I always want to say no, but I know no is not the right answer because uh, whether I say yes or no, I'm going to hold. And so they put me on hold, and I'm already tasting those wings, and uh, they are delaying that delicious experience. But nonetheless, I just don't like it. I don't like being caught up in the three-ring circus of customer service either. You know, when you, you call, you have an issue, maybe a bank issue or something like that. It's a very serious thing, and you want to get the thing resolved. And then uh, they, they take all your information, your name, your address, uh, your blood type, your account number, and all of this stuff. And then they say, oh, let me transfer you to this department. And so then you get over to that department only to have to go through all of that rigmarole again and then to hear possibly and more probably uh, please hold and I don't like it and I know you don't like it either but there is something to learn while we're on hold the word says be still and know that I am God what a time for us to know that he is God everything has come to a screeching halt in our lives right now and I was, as I was pondering um, this message and what I felt the Lord wanted me to share with you during this time, and I, you know, many of our messages are um, centered around uh, the current events, and I think that's important because, you know, things change uh, from day to day. But I remembered King David. Uh, part of his life was spent on hold. And as I went to that part of his life when he was fleeing for his life from King Saul and then ended up in a cave near a city called Adullam or Adullam. Um, and there, uh, according to historians, he was in that stronghold something like seven years. Can you imagine that? Seven years. Can you imagine this quarantine happening for seven years, you being stuck in your home for seven years? And there are things that David did during that time that I think that we can all learn from. And so as we are holding in life, um, we're going to read Psalms 142 in just a moment, but I just want to bring you up to speed of where we are uh, in the life of David. For, as I said earlier, for 10 years, he's been on the run from his king, from King Saul. I mean, David has shown this man nothing but the highest respect. He has faithfully served his king. He's even gone above and beyond uh, some of the tasks that the king required of him. David is faithful to serve him. He's loyal to him. And he always speaks and thinks highly of his king. But Saul has been rejected by God as king of Israel. And he knows that the prophet Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel. And over time, 
uh, this king is seething with jealousy, with insecurity over this young man who has been chosen by God and he's been replaced by him. And, 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 and now he is truly God's anointed king. And, and, and Saul was eaten up with it and so much so that he used his army to chase David all over the countryside and hunt them down like dogs. And in the midst of this decade of hiding uh, from Saul, David comes up, has to come up with these creative maneuvers along the way. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, it tells us this story that he finally decides to flee to Gath. Now remember, Gath is the hometown of uh, Goliath, who David uh, killed a few years earlier. And so this seems to be his best answer at this point because of Saul's pursuit of him. And so he thought, maybe if, I'll, if I go to Gath and maybe if the king will, will accept me, then, then Saul will no longer pursue me. So he goes there and, and has an audience with King Achish of Gath. And uh, well, while he's there, some of uh, Achish's servants begin to whisper in his ear and say, King, uh, you recognize this man, right? This, this, this is David, the king. Uh, don't you remember that song and dance that was real popular? It was all over the place. Uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. I mean, they would dance in the streets singing this song. Uh, you want nothing to do with him. And upon hearing them saying that, David overheard them telling the king that he became greatly afraid. He had to act quickly on his feet. So he acted like a madman. He drooled all over his beard and began to scratch on the walls and, and act crazy. The king's watching this. He says, why have you let a madman come in here? I don't need any more madmen in my country. Get him out of here. I, I, you really want him in my house? So they, uh, it works. <laughs> I mean, it works. Uh, God helped David. He got out of there. And this is the time he flees to this cave near the town of Adullam. And in this darkness, in this isolation, this dank and dirty, and dingy cave. David begins to have a heart-to-heart with God. He finds the time now to get some things off of his chest. Interestingly enough, the word adulam in the Hebrew means justice or refuge of the people. David now has a few problems to process with God while he's here. In Psalms chapter 142, Let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint. The word complaint means uh, meditation or prayer or musings or even babblings. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. I love this. David goes through a whole gamut of emotions in this psalm. As you see throughout the psalms, and this is why the psalms are so comforting 
to many of us because they really uh, touch our emotions. Uh, David will cry out to God and cry and, and say, where are you at times? And, and, but it seems like he always centers himself and comes back to remembering that the Lord is faithful and always ends up in a prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God. The byline of Psalm chapter 142 tells us that David wrote this psalm in this cave. This was his prayer during this time. He's hiding in this stronghold. His life has come to a screeching halt. Everything is on hold. He has a throne in his future. He knows he's anointed king of Israel. But my goodness, how it has seemed uh, to elude him time and time again. As a matter of fact, something like from the time that uh, the prophet Samuel calls David from the sheepfold, and anoints him king to the time that David actually does take the throne in Hebron. It has been 25 tumultuous years. Remember also, it was 25 years before Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. It's a long time, and he's here on hold. And during this time, while he's in the cave, his family comes to him. And it happened just as he had prophesied from this uh, chapter that we just read, verse 7, the righteous will surround me. You will deal bountifully with me. And then 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2, it shows that more people hear about where David is and they gather to him. Verse 2 says, and everyone was in who was in distress. Now this is the condition they were in. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Wow, what a misery loves company, right? I mean, so, but it says he became captain over them. David rose to leadership in this moment, and there were about 400 men with him. Now, this is no small cave, all right? This is, this is a huge place. Not only are these guys flocking to David, but he becomes their leader. This doesn't seem really very helpful on the surface if you're just looking at the appearance of this. It doesn't seem like a very helpful thing to David uh, who had just vented to God, you know, there is no refuge for me. No one cares for my soul. Uh, there's no one who acknowledges me. But the Lord shows David something here. I've got something to give you, David. I've got something to show you. I have an answer to your, your, your request, to your cry to me. And these 400 men, they care about you and they highly regard you and they're going to learn that in this cave in fact they're going to end up laying down their lives for you and your cause and because of their commitment and because of their loyalty to you you're going to come out of this cave and you're going to go forward you're going to love these guys you ever been met with an answer to prayer that was nothing like you were imagining or thinking. I wonder how you responded to it. It's happened to me several times. That seems to be God's MO. But nevertheless, he always answers us how we need to be answered. He's faithful. David has a choice to make, though. He, he can reject this kind of provision that's come to him, those who are in debt and discontented. I mean, though, I mean that's not the kind of crowd you want to hang out when you're in a dark cave, I mean, come on, we need somebody that has a positive attitude. Can we get a stand-up comedian in the group? Somebody to help us laugh through this. But no, these are all people who are down. I mean, they are down on their luck. They walk into this cave dragging. And so David sees this and 
you know, he can believe God knows what he's doing or he can say, forget this. Everything in my life up to this point uh, of following God has brought me nothing but trouble. And this just looks like more trouble. David said, though, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. I think this is what David remembered in this moment. Okay, God is bringing them here. This doesn't look on the surface like this is a good thing. But my God is my refuge. My God is my portion. And so there's a reason why he's drawing them here. So he chooses to believe in this provision brought by God. He chooses to view them apparently not by appearance. I wonder, I wonder why maybe he did that. I imagine that David probably remembered a time when um, he was brought out of the sheepfold after the Lord had rejected his seven older brothers. And you remember, even the prophet Samuel was smitten with David's oldest brother, Eliab. I mean, he says, surely this is God's man. I mean, look at this specimen of a man. And God says, no, 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 don't look at the outward appearance. That's what man does. I've refused him. I look at the heart. David is the one. This is a man who has a heart for me. So uh, David receives God's unconventional provision here. And I'm sure that those disgruntled 400 caused a lot of headaches for this soon coming king uh, many times over uh, and brought chaos there. Yet these same men later on would end up saving David's life time and time again. God truly did ultimately deal bountifully with him. So while we were all here on hold, we can glean from David's experience. And I want to just encourage you to say this for yourself. Say this to your God who is on your side. Lord, you are my refuge. Go ahead and say it right now. Lord, you are my refuge. You are my portion while I am on hold. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and though my provision uh, may be unstable, though my, my, my job may seem unstable and uncertain, I'm going to trust you, and I believe that you will deal bountifully with me. Amen. Hallelujah. So I like the words deal bountifully. Here in the Hebrew, it means you will repay, you will recompense, you will reward. God's watching you. All right? He's got a setup for you uh, that is going to be such a blessing. Have an expectation for God to deal bountifully with you. Another thing from this story, we see it, uh, is when David... When his family comes to him, he looks for a safe place to keep his parents. I, I doubt that he wanted his mom and dad to be around these 400 ruffians. And um, so he takes them to Moab and he asks the king there to help. And it's here that David shows us another key to sustaining hope while we're on hold. And it's found in 1 Samuel 22 and verse 3. Listen to what David says. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you. Uh, come here with you till I know what God will do for me. Until I know what God will do for me. You might not know what God's going to do for you, but you can know that he will do something for you. Hallelujah. Because he is faithful to his promise. So while David's on hold, he chooses to hold on to hope. Never once does he give in to defeat. Never once does he agree with death. Never once does he agree with, with darkness or abandonment, even while living in this literal cave. It's a given to David 
that God's going to provide, that God's going to bring the turnaround, that he's going to accomplish what he promised that he would accomplish. So all now that David has to do and all that you have to do now is to wait and to see what God will do until I know what God will do. I like this. It takes it more. It's further than just what God can do. There's an assurance knowing that God will do. Amen. So there's another psalm that was written while David was on hold in this cave. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Psalms chapter 57. Psalms chapter 57. And uh, we are now um, about to close this uh, message. We're circling the airport right now, getting ready for the landing. But don't uh, check out yet because this is really powerful. Psalms chapter 57 and verse 1. It says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. Think about where he is. He's in this cave, all right? For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Well, that's a prevalent message right there, isn't it? Until these calamities have passed by, I will dwell in the shadow of your wings. I will make you my refuge. I will cry out to God most high, verse 2, to God who performs all things for me. Don't you love how personal he is? He talks about this God most high and his, this performing God. He does his performing for me. Hallelujah. He does his performing for you. Verse three, he shall sin from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah. Pause and think about that. Meditate on that truth. And then to finish it up in verse three, he says, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's easy to buy in to the fear, right? It's so easy to do that. It's easy to buy into the ne- negativity and the discouragement uh, when we are uh, surrounded by these, these trying uh, circumstances, this, this time in the world that no one has ever experienced before, where we are, you know, quarantined into one place. We're in tight quarters. We're, we're reduced to limited space and limited activity. And uh, we've, we're coerced into uh, social distancing and abruptly halted from our daily routines. But it would be very easy during this time for us to simply look at our circumstances and begin to pass the blame and to pass the blame on God. But he's not the one to blame here. Remember, the enemy, the thief is the one who has come to steal, kill and destroy. God is not bringing this calamity. He's not doing this to you. He has the solution for you. He is the answer. He is the God of peace. He is our healer. He is our provider. He has the good stuff. Amen. The devil's bad and God is good. It's that simple. So we cannot allow ourselves to concede to the devil's lies because I'm telling you in those tight quarters, you know, when you're in that limited space, when you're uh, and you can't really do anything, the enemy will whisper doubts and fears uh, like no other time, I think, in the earth right now because we are a, a captive audience in many ways. And so he's going to do what he can uh, to hiss out his satanic doubts and, and fears and worries and, uh, and, and try to make us think that there is no way out. But my family, there is. And he wants you to question who you are. He, 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 will, he will question who God is and, and all these unknowns. But I wanted to encourage you, and I'm encouraging myself in this, in this moment, to, to, to believe 
and to declare God's word. Listen, the enemy's going to talk to you. You need to talk back. Don't just sit there and take that nonsense. He's already a defeated foe and all the stuff he brings is powerless over you. Remember what I said last week, Jesus has given you authority to trample over all the power of the enemy. So stay steady and ready with expectation as you wait to know what God will do for you. Amen. Wait for your deliverer with expectancy. Wait because he will come. It will happen. It will surely come to pass. Amen. God, the scripture says it's impossible for God to lie. Amen. He can't deny himself. All he can do is tell the truth. All he can do is give you promises and then fulfill those promises. That's who he is. Don't rob yourself of those things through fear and doubt and unbelief. Stay in faith. The scripture says he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed about to and fro. And and don't let that person who is wavering like that expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Lord wants to give it to you, but he needs you to expect it. He needs you to be a ready recipient of his goodness, of his provision, of his help in your life. I want to close now with the remaining verses of this 57th chapter of Psalms. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm just so excited to have this outlet and at least have some way to communicate with you. And uh, I, I cannot wait to see your beautiful faces again. Verse 7 of Psalms chapter 57, David says, My heart is steadfast. Remember, he's in the cave. He's been running for his life. He's got to be exhausted from all of this. And yet, he says, My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. Here's the musician talking. I would say, Awake, electric guitar. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let your glory be above all the earth. Lord, let it be. Be exalted. Be exalted in this world. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, your children, thank you, Lord, are waiting expectantly. We are waiting to see what God will do. We're waiting to see, Lord, the miracles. We're waiting to see the breakthroughs. We're waiting to see the promotion. We're waiting to see the outburst of your favor upon your people. Father, I thank you. Lord, what a time to be alive in the earth as a believer. What a time to be the church right now as we are holding, Lord. Lord, we are holding with expectancy. We're waiting, Lord, for this gathering again. Lord, I believe and I declare in Jesus' name that many souls... Many of those unsettled souls, those who are on the outside, those unbelievers, Lord, those who don't have a covenant with God will soon come into the kingdom of God. They will find their answers. They will find, Lord, what they're looking for in a relationship with you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we call in the harvest. Lord, we as your church say, Lord, use us. Let our reach reach their ears with this good news, with this good news that changes our lives, that changes the world. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And we thank you, Lord, that whoever believes on him 
will have everlasting life. Whoever believes on him has an inheritance right now. Praise God. Amen. So remember that today. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so if God is for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Amen. This is all coming to a close very soon. And we will see, we will stand and see the salvation of our God. Hallelujah. I love you all very much. And again, thank you for being a part of our service. And thank you again for your continual generosity and giving. Until next time, I love you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.